Welcome to FedSpeak, brought to you by MI Market News. I'm Pedro da Costa, and I'm happy to welcome today's special post FOMC guest, Danielle DiMartino Booth. Danielle is a former advisor to the Dallas Fed, and she's now CEO and Chief Strategist at Quill Intelligence. Thank you so much for joining FedSpeak. It's great to be here with you. I'm so excited to talk. Absolutely, and, and quite a bit to talk about. So let's start with you know, yesterday's decision to hike another 75 basis points uh, alongside an SEP that was fairly hawkish and a press conference that was you know, fairly on point in terms of, of hammering the point that they want to fight inflation. What, what jumped out at you? That's a very diplomatic way of putting it, Pedro. Uh, you know, what, what jumped out at me yesterday is that it felt like a reset. It felt like a reset on behalf of all members of the FOMC. Uh, pa- Powell initially was never shy about his, his, his lack of affinity for the dot plots. In his first few press conferences, he basically brushed them off and said, what do we know about what the future holds? Um, and, but yesterday, I think he mentioned the word dot plot five or six times. Extraordinary. Um, the other reset that I thought was that the 0.2% GDP forecast for the entire year 2022, that's as close as the Fed will ever say to we're in recession. And furthermore, we're hiking more than you think we're going to hike in recession. Uh, and you know, by pushing out the, the, the terminal rate by and, and by repeatedly saying, we're not just going to get to 5%. We're going to get to 5% and stay there. I mean, this was, again, to me, this they completely moved the dialogue. They shifted the dialogue. This was, this, this was something bigger, bigger than Jackson Hole because it was, um, it, was, it was portrayed as being an institutionally wide accepted new regime. That's a great point. And I actually had to go back and look at the transition of peak rates from the previous dot plots. Not only was it up from 3.8 to 4.6 this, you know, this time in the median, but it had already been raised from 2.8 to 3.8 between March and July. So talk about a regime change. It's a complete you know, refocus. But you mentioned 5%. Is that how high you think they're going? Or do you think that the inflation picture will dictate and they might even have to go further? I think that, uh, I mean, yesterday he kind of barked at a few reporters, you know, what about data dependent don't you get? Uh, and, and again, with the caveat, first, we're going to get to where we're going. Uh, and the the idea and what the market interpreted yesterday was, you know, I thought this party was over, <laughs> you know, at least after November, if not December. I mean, you know, who, who wants to be Scrooge? And yet the door was open yesterday to continue tightening uh, if this inflation continues on into 2023 from everything that we've seen, even with the expedited lag. And I, I know that that's an oxymoron, but we've seen an expedited lag of shelter inflation moving through the CPI. The implication is that we'll see an expedited lag of the CPI coming, the shelter CPI coming down as well. So a year from now, we could be going, oh my gosh, how did we get back you know, to, to 3% shelter inflation? Um, that said, everything that I see coming through the pipeline suggests that we're going to go from 6.2% year-over-year shelter to 7% year-over-year shelter before it peaks. 40% of the CPI. And if you noticed, he didn't just talk about the PCE during the press conference. He also was very articulate about the CPI headline as well. So he's telling us, and, and by the way, he's a markets guy. 
He understands what's happening in housing inflation. My view is that he's not actually after inflation. So you can officially call the funny farm to carry me away now. Do you think that they're actually going to be able to get off of this 75 basis point pace now that it's the benchmark? What does it take for them to do that? I think that if if you see the right now, the unemployment rate feels like a stretched rubber band. And, you know, the, the, the complexion of the current layoff cycle is so different than anything we've seen going into other cycles that normally are led by the lowest paying individuals being let go first. Right now, what we're seeing instead is very highly paid people up the income ladder, severance packages, no need to file for, for unemployment insurance. We're not, we're not seeing the actual signal of the labor market in the initial jobless claims data that we see every week. So it, there's the feel that when the unemployment rate does increase, it's going to snap up and that there'll be an unemployment rate shock. So if we were to get past the 4.4% that they presume year in 2023, I think you'd have to see something of that magnitude for them to back off. So do you think we are in a recession already? What's your take on on where we are in terms of GDP? I mean, as you mentioned, 0.2% for the year is about as close as they come to saying the R word without saying it, right? I mean, can you imagine Bostic in the meeting? He's like, dude, my Atlanta Fed GDP tracker says 0.3%. The NBER, they they grade, they score recessions not based on growth rates, based on level of output. In other words, if this is remotely right, and that's assuming that there's a massive economic revival in September, if there's not in the data as it comes through before October 27th, when this print hits, we're either going to be at zero or negative. And I think that there's been an acceptance of this. And when you look at it through that pen, through that prism, the NBER that's been resistant about pegging growth rates, it's just, just negative growth, negative growth, that does not necessarily mean that we're in recession. Once you get inflation to stay be- below the level of Q4 2021 for three quarters in a row, we're in recession. And, and, and that, I think, is especially something that is well understood by the academics and, and the staffers at the Fed. And what role does the housing sector play in that recession, given that it's been one of the first ones to get hit by the the rate hikes? And how would you describe the state of the sector generally? I I think that that Powell is all but barking like a seal, welcoming, you know, the the deflation of this other housing bubble. He knows that uh, he knows that that investors swarming the market have been has been very detrimental to the plight of middle income earners. Um, so I, I think he, I, I really do think he embraces with open arms any prospect of the speculative aspect exiting the housing market. And again, he wasn't, he, he threw nuance out the door yesterday. He was pretty forthright. It was, it was a different sounding Jay Powell. What did you, one of the things that struck me was his answer to the first question by, from Gina about uh, what it would take for him to slow or pause the pace of hikes. He didn't talk about inflation immediately. He went straight to below-trend growth and the softer labor market. How do you think he's thinking about that? And you mentioned the possibility of a jobless rate shock. Like, how do you think he's factoring that in? I think, again, Pedro, I, I, I think he's got a bigger goal in mind. I think Powell wants to break the back of the Fed put. And if you want to do that, then you hide behind unemployment. You hide behind the most lagging of economic indicators 
before you can get pushed off of the pushed off of of the ledge and, and to acknowledge that we might be actually at a point where monetary policy should not be as restrictive but again but th this is a this is he's an extremely astute savvy shrewd former private equity investor he knows he's following and citing lagged data and yet here we are so it's a play on financial conditions but made with a macro argument essentially thank you that makes a lot of sense what did you make of his uh fairly firm pushback on the notion of mbs sales is that kind of an obvious thing that he would do given the existing housing weakness well as a former fed insider you don't sell anything off of the balance sheet and, you know, as it is uh you know one of my mentors lacy hunt reminded me that if there are operating losses at the fed they've got to go hat in hand to congress that's the law because that means that congress has to make them whole and that increases the deficit so to to outright recognize losses even though technically speaking they divide the loss by 10 years space it out and remit 10% less in the way of remittances to treasuries every year. So it's not like you're going to raise up your hands and say, oh my gosh, the Federal Reserve is insolvent, bankrupt, chapter 11. It doesn't work that way. However, you do have to answer to Congress. It's really interesting you say they, they want to, Powell wants to kill the Fed put. That's a really great way to put it. And I, I think about all the things in financial markets right now that seem to be kind of teetering or on the verge of breaking. And I think about uh, you know, the rapidity of foreign exchange moves and the speed with which yields are rising. Uh, what makes you concerned about kind of financial fragility out there at this point? So, you know, I mean, we basically had a Lehman moment with, right, with Germany nationalizing uh, a massive company. Uh, Japan is is drowning. The, you know, and Powell was, um, as opposed to being, Kurt, he was polite when he was asked about, you know, are you not concerned that this policy is wreaking havoc in the rest of the world? And, you know, his his polite answer was, well, we can't get everything exactly right. You can't plan this stuff out. But it was still a very polite Heisman. But it's, it's in the same vein as the argument that like, we're going to, does that mean that like, not only are they going to tighten into a recession, but they might potentially tighten into some form of financial crisis overseas. Yes. And that is, to me, uh, the, the greater risk. And we don't appreciate that going into the great financial crisis, the capital markets were not as mature uh, in Europe. And now we have private capital, private equity, high yield bond markets. All of these things are much more fragile in Europe than they are in the United States and much less liquid as well. They're not deep, long lasting markets. So something there could certainly break before you wake up one day and say, oh my gosh, US high yield spreads have, have gapped out. It's it's much more likely that there's an accident there before it there's one here, especially because they're absolutely, the energy crisis there adds another element of risk to the system at the same time, which is completely out of their control. One last question on your inflation view domestically in the U.S. Are you of the view that this disinflation we're seeing from commodities and energy, that that's going to be enough to take us to, to rates that are more comfortable for the Fed? Or do you see us running into sticky territory in, into next year? 
Well, again, because shelter is 40% of the CPI and because it is sticky, I don't anticipate that rolling over. When it does roll over, I think it's going to be violent and quick and swift, quicker than it normally would be. Fannie Mae would tell you five quarter lag. I would say two at this juncture. But other areas, if you're looking at shipping rates, commodities, as you just mentioned, used car prices, they were the biggest driver of inflation. They're rolling over and rolling over hard. Uh, so I, I do think that there are going to be competing elements of disinflation that pull down the numbers. But I go back to him citing headline CPI. Does that mean that the Fed will be hit, be hit with another credibility you know, question? as it as it tightens into that disinflation or is it more that you know now there's there's only one game in town and it's fighting inflation well i i think that they're going to fall back on the the greater good argument and how this is the most regressive of taxes that certainly was how he the somber tone that he read the statement and i mean that that was certainly the message being conveyed uh but he's already getting a lot of flag uh from politicians here and obviously pressure from abroad and the narrative is changing very quickly from Jay Powell, the wimpy guy who can't fight inflation to Jay Powell, uh, a weapon of mass destruction who's completely oblivious to the damage that's being done. (laughs) We'll leave it there. Thank you so much, Danielle. Really appreciate it. That was Danielle DiMartino Booth from Quill Intelligence.